we believe. Uh, today, I wanted to share with you some some thoughts that I've I've had over the last several months, and um, it's it's really about practicing what you believe. And you know, we we have ideas when we come to church and we. Th- we think, amen, those are good ideas, and I, I really, I agree with those ideas, but then when we go out, we don't, we don't live what we say we actually believe. When people are asked what they believe in, they give different answers, different sorts of answers. Some might say, I believe in UFOs. That merely means I believe they're real. Somebody may say, I believe in democracy. But the way that they live, they don't believe that everybody has the same rights as everybody else. That just means a democratic way is a good, just, and beneficial way to live. But what does it mean when a Christian says, I believe in God? Or is it different than what they say when they say, I believe in UFOs or I believe in democracy? We sang the song, We Believe, and one of the things that we said was, I believe in God. And when we say, I believe in God, It's not just about believing, but it's about living in a way that reflects what you believe. If you say, I believe in UFOs, but you've never seen a UFO, or you've never gone out to Nevada, or some place that really has a lot of information about that, then it's really just an idea. But when we say, I believe in God, We are declaring, I am professing my conviction that God has invited me to make a commitment and I've accepted his invitation. C.S. Lewis says this, you never really know how much you believe in anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It's easy to say, I believe that this rope is strong, as long as you're merely using it to hold a box or something that it seems like it would hold it up. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice, then you would discover how much you really trusted in that rope. God wants us to trust in him more than just saying, I trust in God. People refuse to believe what they don't want to believe in spite of evidence. Some explorers went to Australia and they found a mammal which laid eggs, spent some time in the water, some on land, 
had a broad, flat tail, webbed feet, and a bill similar to a duck. Upon their return to England, they told everybody about this. And everybody said, this is a hoax. There's no way. And I've had people, when I tell them a story, sometimes I am kidding around. But sometimes I tell, this really happened, and they go, we don't believe you. We, there's just no way. Well, they then went back to Australia and found a pelt of this dead animal, and they brought the pelt back. And in spite of the evidence, they still said, this is a hoax, because they didn't want to believe. Some people don't want to believe. Adolf Hitler, he was born Braunau am Inn in Austria in 1889. He was the son of a 52-year-old Australian, Austrian customs official, Alois Schlickelgruber Hitler, and his third wife, a young peasant girl, Clara Potzel both from the backwoods of Lower Austria. The young Hitler was a resentful, discontented child, moody, lazy, and had an unstable temperament. He was deeply hostile towards his strict authoritarian father and strongly attached to his indulgent, hardworking mother whose death from cancer in 1908 was a shattering blow to young Adolf Hitler. After spending four years in a school in Linz, he left school at the age of 16 with his dreams to become a painter. In 1907, the middle-class boy left his home in Vienna where he remained until 1913 he led a vagabond existence embittered by his rejection at the school of art that he went to by the Viennese Academy of Fine Arts. He was, he was to spend five years of misery and woe in Vienna. He adopted a later view that changed his life. He was pathologically hated by the Jews and the Marxists who were at this school that he attended. And he believed in liberalism and cosmopolitan monarchy. He wanted to be in charge and tell other people what to do from then on. Reverend James Jones, he blended Pentecostal religion, socialism, and racial harmony into a political theology. In his sermons, Jones consistently discounted any God out there, a notion that he ridiculed as a sky God, a mythological God, a spook God, or a buzzard God, and he celebrated the real God, a genuine God, which he defined as love. God was the almighty socialism. When he personally claimed to be God, the Messiah, Jones could be understood 
to be asserting that he was the embodiment of divine socialism. He promised his congregation that they would also be defined by dying to capitalism and being reborn in socialism. C.S. Lewis, the writer of the Narnia Chronicles, was a scholar of Greek and Latin literature. Based on this, he had read a lot of mythology, think, think, the, think like the Greek and Roman gods. He was also an atheist. He decided to read the New Testament in order to disprove the claims that it held. He was used to reading eloquent and poetic dynamic reading, writing by myth makers, by what he found in the Bible's writings, according to his stories surprised by joy, were poorly written, sometimes confusing accounts of a man claiming to be God. Accounts that you expect from people who were not professional writers, but rather fishermen and tax collectors. But after much consideration, C.S. Lewis decided they must be telling the truth and accepted their eyewitness accounts. Why do we believe what we believe? It forces us to evaluate and say, is what I'm doing a good thing or a bad thing? And should I continue to choose to live this way? Why do we believe what we believe? When you enthusiastically align yourself with a political belief, it is a filed away in your collection of known facts or truths in your brain and your ego will exert toxic amounts of energy to protect those ideals. As they give us a high level sense of safety and security as we navigate around the world, uh, uh, navigate the world around us. People's values, beliefs and attitudes are formed over years and over time by influence of family, friends, society, and life experiences. So by the time you're an adult, you hold very definite views of how you are going to be and how you are going to live. And nothing is going to change your mind unless it's very, very poignant and really gets to it. So you may say, Tom, what does this have to do with the scripture? Let's take a look. In Galatians, we find these words. In Galatians chapter 1, we have to understand that the, the guy that's writing this, Paul, who was Saul in Acts chapter 9 and then converted and his name was changed to, to Paul as a Christian. It is now years after when he's writing this, this letter. And as a matter of fact, it's approximately 14 to 17 years after he's become a Christian. 
so this isn't just a new thing that, that, um, that he's trying to share here. But this is the first letter that he wrote in the New Testament. And so it was, uh, he went to Galatia, and there were two sections of Galatia, north and south. He was only writing to the southern Galatians. Northern Galatians didn't accept what he had to say. But the southern ones did. And here's what he wrote. Paul, an apostle not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me. I'm sorry, would you please stand for the reading of God's word. This is just to respect, this is important stuff, and we want to get it so that we know that we're focused in on it. Continuing on with verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present age. According to the will of our God, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, Amen. That's ending with verse 5. We're now jumping down to verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Heavenly Father, please allow your word to come in and help us to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I, I want you to get this image of what's happening here. Paul is now, he, he's been Christian long enough and he is now writing to this church. And the church is having struggles because there have been people that have come in that have tried to twist some of the teachings. And they were trying to tell the church people that they had to be like Jews and they had to be circumcised and they had to follow the Jewish laws and and. Paul is trying to get them to understand that it's not about being like the Jews, but it's about what Christ did on the cross. 
Now, I, I need you to understand that when we look at this scripture, I want you to really focus on his thought process of how he was trained up. He was, he was a, one of the leaders in the church from Jerusalem that was the Judaizers. And as he was trained, and it says, trained by my fathers, it was what he had learned growing up. So think about things that he had done when he was first getting a hold of these Christians and killing them and doing things to try and make them be subservient. This was what he thought was right. Have we ever done things that we thought were right and we wish we wouldn't have done it and, and we hate that we did it and we look back and we just want to say, dear, please forgive me because that's not the way I want to be. You see, Paul was, as he was trained, he was thinking, I'm doing good. I'm doing the right thing as he was trained. Now, you may say, well, why would he be trained like that? That's kind of crazy. Well, Judaism, Judaism believes that Judaism is the one true religion because God personally spoke to Moses and gave him the law and the commandments that people in Judaism follow. Although there are differences of opinions about the exact way Judaism are to be followed, a Judaism known as a Rambam over a thousand years summed up 13 different beliefs. Here's the 13 beliefs. Now I want you to think about this is what he was trying to, that, that he knew was right. God exists, God is one and unique. God doesn't have a body, God is eternal. Prayer is to be directed to God alone. The words of the prophets are true. Moses was the greatest prophet and his prophecies are true. The Torah was given to Moses. There, was, there will be no other Torah. God knows the thoughts and deeds of men. God will reward the good and punish the wicked. The Messiah will come, the dead will be resurrected. You know, when you look at these things, you're going, amen. Praise the Lord. But when we get into some of the differences, we see why Paul now came to a place to where he said, some of these can't be true. Have you ever had something that you believe so intently to be disproved? Have you ever had somebody try to explain something to you and you go, I never thought of it like that. And the, the more they explain and the more they talk about it, you're going, oh my goodness, I was wrong. Don't you hate it when you're wrong? I hate it when I'm wrong. Just ask my wife, I hate it when I'm wrong. I hate it. I just, I get frustrated. Sometimes I don't want to admit it. Sometimes I do, but I don't like it when I'm wrong. I remember when I was at college, I grew up in the church. 
I was a smart young guy. So when I go to college, at a Bible college, I know more than they know. I, I, I really felt like I was very intelligent in biblical things. And a, a, a professor by the name of Dr. Lovell, Dr. Lovell started going through something and he said something to, to us, to us as a class, and I was so sure he was wrong. And I started bringing up things and saying, this is why you're wrong. And he said, oh, no, I'm not. Hence the term, he had doctor before his name, so he knew quite a bit, Dr. Lovell. And so he starts explaining through his... He, the, the reason why he thinks the way that he does. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it was. It was, um, it was a very basic tenet of the church and the Holy Spirit. When do you get the Holy Spirit? And I said, and I told him, I said, you don't get the Holy Spirit until you get the second work of grace, then you get the Holy Spirit. And he said, that's wrong. And I said, well, why is that? And he proceeded to show me scriptures where the Holy Spirit was evident in the Old Testament before Acts chapter 2. All of a sudden, my eyes were opened, and I realized that I was wrong. Paul, on the road to Damascus, he was confronted with this idea that Jesus was God. What do you do with that? When all your life you've learned that God is one and God is unique, what do you do with that? He had a choice that he had to make. You see, some of the things about Judaism that if you, if you go a little bit deeper into what it is, a Jew believes in the same God and the universe as Christians do. The one revealed in the Bible is Yahweh. But because they believe there's only one God, there can't be the Trinity. There can't be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they don't believe that there's such a thing as the Trinity. About Jesus, if there's only one God, they believe Jesus was just a good teacher. But he was no more than that. What about the Bible? Jews believe that the Old Testament is the only thing that can be held up. And only, the only inspired word of God. So they reject the New Testament as God's word. About the afterlife, a Jew believes that there is an afterlife where God re rewards the good people and punishes the evil people, but beyond that, they're not sure how it plays out. There is definitely a heaven, but they don't view hell as a place of eternal torment. About salvation, a Jew believes salvation is achieved by keeping the law 
of the Torah. So, basic differences because of what they believe because of Judaism. So, we have to look at and we have to really try to understand what the Bible teaches. And I'm going to give you a whole lot of scriptures. You can look them up. I have copies here that you can, I can make copies if you want to see them. But here's what I tried to do. I tried to look at what, what it was that Paul saw that needed to be changed. And then I found scriptures that back those up. So what about God? Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. God identified himself as the I am, meaning he is the self-existent, never had a beginning or end creator of the universe. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and the land of slavery. About the Trinity, there is one God and yet three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These scriptures are found in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. But here's where it gets interesting. About Jesus, Jesus is fully man and God. He is the God of the universe. And here's where we find these scriptures. John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 14, verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Verse 58 of chapter 8. No one, verily, I, verily, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Verse 30 of Chapter 10, I and the Father are one. About the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be truly equipped for every good work. Revelation, I'm sorry, to to chapter 4, verse 4. Chapter 4, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, in the view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct rebuke and courage with great patience and careful instruction. 
For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, boy, this was written just yesterday, it seems like. To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. I warn everyone, Revelation chapter 20, verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. If anyone takes things away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share of the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming again. As far as the afterlife, John chapter 5, verse 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my words and believes in me, who sent me, has eternal life and will not be judged, but we cross from death unto life. Verily, very truly, I tell you, the time is coming and has now come when the dead of when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. About salvation. Romans chapter 4. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trust God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited for righteousness. So we see all these things that the scripture says about, verifies why Paul changed his thinking. What does that mean? What does that mean for me? I don't follow Judaism. Here's what it means. I need to start evaluating what do I believe? And when I leave, how am I going to live? How am I going to treat other people? How am I going to respond when I'm going through a difficult situation and I try to control it myself and God says, trust in me? And you say, but it's so hard. And I go to church every week and I give money and I help, help other people. And God says, trust in me. I am your God. Trust in me. And you say, but I'm not like those people who don't go to church. And God says, trust in me. So I wrote down some things. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I really get on myself. I, I do things that I get frustrated with that I know I don't want to do or I don't want to say or I sometimes I just get so angry at something that happened and I could have helped to be better at the situation to fix it rather than make it worse so sometimes my mouth gets me in trouble sometimes my just the my attitude gets me in trouble and I don't like that so I, I, I try to, I'm saying to myself, how do I want to live? How do I want to be in, in professing Christ to the world? So I wrote down some things, and I didn't get any scriptures with this, but I know this is what I believe. And I, I can find scriptures with these, I'm sure, but these are just basic things that I need to start acting like when I'm when I'm out with when I'm out in the world. You know, I'm bearing my soul here. I really am. And I, this isn't to say, look at me. Look, at, I'm I'm saying I, I have problems with these things. The first one is that God loves me. You know, sometimes I look at who I, what I am and what I've done, and I think, how can, how can God love this person? Look at me. Look at, look at what I just did. But I know God loves me. Secondly, he has forgiven me of my sins. He's not only forgiven me of my sins, but... There's other people that he's working on to help them to be forgiven of their sins too. You know, sometimes I don't look at it like that. I look at it, it's all about me. And I need to think, it's not just about me. Number three, Jesus is the Son of God. And He's not just another option for religious, um, religious experiences. Jesus is the Son of God. Number four, forgiveness is by faith and not by works. It's not what I do. It's because of what he has done that I can live a victorious life because of the forgiveness that he's given me through faith in him. So no matter what I do, no matter how much money I give, no matter how many, how many services I'm involved in, no matter any of the things that I do, it's not about that stuff. I need to make sure that those things are happening because I want to show my love for God through the things that I do. Number five, God uses me in spite of my failures. Even though I've done some things that are not right, 
God can still work through me to do something else later on. Number six, God loves others just as much as he loves me. Number seven, I am not the most important. And number eight, I serve because of Christ's example and that he served. So when we do things, it's not about look at me, it's I serve because I want, I want to serve like he served. So we see here in this verse You have heard of my former conduct in Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. He changed because of what he realized he really believed. So the question that we would need to ask ourselves, what do I really believe? When I'm going through a turmoil, what is it that I really believe? And then act on those beliefs. You see, Paul here changed his whole thinking because of what he realized he believed. So, what do you believe? You know, there's sometimes that we get into situations and we, we may say, I believe, but when it comes down to it, um, we don't really, we don't really believe. And we're not willing to stand up and say that we believe it. A story I've told about um, a guy by the name of Charles Blondin. He was a French tightrope walker. On June 30th, 1859, he did his most famous act when he became the first person to cross a tightrope stretched across Niagara Falls. The tightrope was more than a quarter mile long Suspended 160 feet off the ground, or off the falls, he walked across it several times, each time in a different way, once on stilts, once on a bike, once in the dark, and once blindfolded. I'm thinking, this guy's an idiot. A large crowd gathered to watch, with each feet bringing louder applause. At a different performance, the crowd, ooh, and ah. As Blondin carefully walked across one dangerous step after another, 
he pushed a wheelbarrow across with a sack of potatoes in it. Then at one point, he turned to the crowd and he said, do you believe I can carry a person in a wheelbarrow across here? The crowd yelled, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Yes, we believe. You're the greatest tightrope walker in the world. We believe. Okay, he said. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? They said they believed, but no one was willing to get in the wheelbarrow. We say we believe, but are we willing to live what we say we believe? Father, I pray right now that you would stir our hearts and help us to realize what we really believe. Lord, the, the things that that we realize are not in accordance with your word and how you want us to live. I pray that you'll challenge us and help us to become believers who live what we believe. Is there anybody that wants to come forward this morning?